Welcome to Kingdom Life Church, Stellenbosch. May this life-giving word activate your faith today. So yeah, I'm very excited. This morning I'm going to finish our sermon series on one. Now, I'm going to get to where one comes from for, you, for those of you who haven't been here. Um, but our focus on the sermon series was all on the power of community. And what the benefits for, for us, what is the benefits for us being part of a community? Because there is benefits for us as believers. Now, of course, scripture for the series came from John 17. And John 17 shows the longest recorded prayer of Jesus. It was the, there was a lot of places in the, in the scriptures where Jesus pr- prayed, but this was the longest recorded one uh, in the Bible. Now, let's read it quickly um, just to give you an idea where the sermon series came from. Now, it says the following. It says, and then this is Jesus praying. So just to, before you read there, he used this, this chapter, the first few verses in the chapter, he prayed for himself and what he had to go through, uh, or what he just went through, and he's going back to the Father. Then he prayed for the disciples. And then in verse 20, 22, 26, he prayed for all believers. And this is where it comes from. It says, I'm praying not only for these disciples that was around him. He was just before he ascended to heaven. For this disciples, but for all who will ever believe in me through their message. I pray, he says, their message, the disciples' message that they had to carry on. Then he says, I pray that they will be one, just as you and I are one. As you are in me, Father, and I am in you, and may they be in us that that the world will believe you sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me, so they may be one as we are one. A lot of ones, ones, one, one. There's other translations that probably one is six times in, in a, the, the two, two verses. Now, if you are looking at the key to Christianity, I always look at the key for something, and I do something. What is the key to do this great? Now, if you're looking for the key to Christianity, Jesus just prayed it in his prayer. He said he prayed this prayer with a strong focus on community. He prayed it. You see, he was about to leave to heaven. He was about to ascend to heaven. He was about to leave the disciples there. And this is the last thing he could say. I mean, think about it. The last prayer Jesus could pray, this is what he prays. Father, may they be one as me and you are one. Isn't that amazing? It's quite, it's, it's quite something that, that needs to drop, that penny needs to drop to, to know that this is what Jesus said. I know he said, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. And, and he said that, but the last prayer he prayed before he ascended to heaven said, Father, this is my heart's cry. May, they, may every believer have what we have. I want them to have what we have, and that's community. I almost slided my, my page. That's quite weird, eh? <laughs> Now, as I said, there's so many definitions in the dictionary that the dictionary give about the word community. So many. And, and, and just to summarize community, for those who haven't been here, you've been hearing this for a third time, but that's good, then, then we remember this. But if we can summarize the word community in three words, we use available, vulnerable, and share. So we are available, we are vulnerable in our lives, and we share our lives with others around us. That is what community actually is. Now, in week one, we've looked, now I'm going to give you a quick backdrop just in the first two weeks just for you to catch up and, and to recap on this. Now, in week one, we looked at the power of being part of a church family or church community because there is power in it. But I also looked at the dangers of not being part of a church family and a community. It's very important because there is dangers on that. You're going to miss so much. Why do I say that? Because we live in a world focused on individualism. 
That means that it's all about me. It's all about me. I have my phone open. It's just about me and my phone. I can sit in a group of friends, and all of the friends have their phones open on Facebook. Nobody chat to each other because we live in an era of individualism. And the big, big, biggest issue of that, that, that our world faces at the moment is because of two things, independence and isolation. Remember that? And those, three, those two things are a killer. It kills us because it isolates us from community. Now, being isolated is like trying to use your boat. Stephen, you know. Hey? You just, it's like to use your boat in your, in your driveway. I start that boat and I rev it up and I was like, and then you're frustrated because this thing doesn't work. But why? Because you use it out of context. You use it out of context because it was built for water. That was why, that is the same with community. Now as believers, we were created to be part of a community and that is the context of Christianity. Isn't that great to know that? That that is the context that God had, that Jesus showed it. He said, Father, this is my heart's cry. I want them to have community like we have. Now, last week we looked at four foundational pillars um, that community builds into our lives. And we need foundation. We know this is important as to build a house. We need a house needs a foundation. We as believers need foundation in our lives. And community builds pillars of foundation into our lives. And we spoke about those four. We spoke about strength. It gives strength. It gives safety. God speaks through community to us, which is very important. And then lastly, we receive encouragement through community. I don't know if you've ever came to, to church or to a community or just your friends, and you were really discouraged, you were down, and you had coffee with them. You leave that conversation, feel like, ah, oh, I feel better. That's what community does. Now, if you look at the benefits of being part of a community of believers, you can't get around this thing. Community is essential in our lives. We need it. We need need community. We need Christian family or church family around us. It was God's heart from the start. Jesus showed it. He showed it while praying that prayer. Now, one of my favorite secular songs, and I've got a few of them. Yes, I listen to some secular music, (laughs) but... um, one of my favorite secular songs is a, a song by Jack Johnson. Do you guys know Jack Johnson? If you don't know Jack Johnson, one of my favorite songs that he sung was a song he wrote for his wife. But as I'm listening to that song, this song actually speaks to so much more <clears throat> than just his wife, to a bigger audience. And the song's name is Better Together. I wish you could play it for you, but we don't have time this morning. Go and Google it. Go, it's really amazing. Always when we go to the beach, me and my wife, we listen to Jack Johnson. I mean, it's, a, it's an ex-surfer, wind musician, and... He just has this lacquer vibe on him, and it's, it's really amazing. Now, every time I hear this song, Better Together, I, it reminds me of how Jesus, or what Jesus prayed for in John 17. I mean, he said, Father, may, may we be one, may they be one as we are one. Jesus basically said, it is much better when we are together. It's much better when we do this thing together. Much better. It's not nice and not good to do it alone. It's never good to be a lone ranger in anything. So today I want to speak about being better together. And I want to finish the sermon series on that. We, we are better together. That's who we are. Now I, I, I tell the story um, probably oh, last year. I told the story and maybe you remember this. But it's a story about a, a boy the night before he went to grade one. And... 
and he was lying in bed, and there was a massive thunderstorm outside. And his mom came to him, and she tucked him in, and she prayed for him, and she, she was about to turn the light off, and he asked in a trembling voice, you know, that, that little boy, a trembling voice, he said, Mommy, will you stay with me this night, tonight? And, he, and she was smiling, and the, his mother gave him a warm, assuring, reassuring hug, and she said, no, son, um, um, I, I, I need to, I need to um, sorry, dear, I have to sleep in daddy's room tonight. And a, and a long silence followed, you know, and he was thinking, and then later on, well, after a few seconds, the shaky little voice came up and he said, oh, that big sissy. <laughs> And, it's, and it's, for me, it's so amazing because it's plain and simple. We need each other. We need each other. No matter how big, how small, how young, how old you are, we need people in our lives. I mean, if my wife goes away and I'm alone at home, it feels weird just sleeping alone on my bed, you know, because I'm so used to doing things together with her. And that's just in a marriage context. But, I mean, wherever, you, you're staying with flatmates or friends in the house, if you're alone suddenly, things doesn't seem right because we are made to do things together. Now let's start with a, with a very basic but very profound question this morning. Are you ready? What is the purpose of church family or church community? What is that purpose? Have you ever thought about that question? I thought about it a lot. What is the purpose of church family? Now see, some of our deepest needs, and this might shock you, some of the deepest needs that in, in life can't be met by our jobs. Some of our deepest needs that we have can't be met by our money. Even some of our deepest needs that we have can't be met by our family or our friends. It's like, wow, Henny, what are you, where are you going with this? <laughs> See, only church can meet some of our deepest needs in life. Now, Henny, how is that possible? How is that possible? You see, church is not a place or a building we come to. It's not an event we attend every Sunday. Yeah, it's nice. No, no, church is a spiritual family we belong to. That was intended that way. It was always intended that way. It's not just an event that we do. It's not just a building we're going to. It's not just something we attend and feel better for the week and tick the box. No, no, it's not. It is intended from God to be a spiritual family. That's what it is. Now, in the book of Acts, we see a very clear description of the first church and how people found strength in spiritual family. We saw it. Now let's look at it quickly, and it's quite a, a read. It's Acts 2, verse 41 to 47, and I'm going to read this through with you. Those who believed what Peter said. Now this is, let me just give you a quick backdrop. Peter and the, 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 the disciples was just filled with the Spirit. Powerful moment. And all of them started speaking in tongues, and Peter stepped up, and he preached a sermon that I'm going to sit at his feet when I get to heaven one day. I was like, Peter, just... Just share that sermon, man. I, I need to hear that. I wanted to hear that. Uh, well, he actually says that, some of it, but I wanted to be there. It was so powerful. And he said after he preached, 3,000 people got saved. But he said those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day. And then it says, and 3,000 were added to the church one time. Do you think 3,000 people one time in a church so they added everything? It's amazing. Then he says, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the sharing in meals. I like that one. Including the Lord's Supper and to pray. Isn't that amazing? They say they, have, they devoted themselves. Now, I could go deeper into what that word devoted means, but I don't want to go into that today. But they devoted them to the word. 
They devoted them to the Word. They devoted them to fellowship. What we have before we have church and after church, where we just greet and meet and see how you're doing and have laughter and fun, that's fellowship. In the sharing of meals, why is it important? When you eat together, you get to know each other. One of my friends always said, Henny, you don't know, you're not my friend if you don't know how I eat my steak and how I drink my coffee. Then you're not my friend. <laughs> That's our high he grade friendship. He says, I eat steak and I drink coffee. If you don't know that, you're not my friend. But see, that's how they, they shared meals, including the Lord's Supper, so it was two different things. And then they prayed together. They prayed together. Then a deep sense of awe. Now, while they're doing it, a deep sense of awe came over them all. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. You see, with this fellowship, with this community, what they did, what, something natural occurred. There were signs and wonders. There were signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They loved meeting together. They loved meeting together. Let's go on. It says, they sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshipped together at the temple each day and they met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all people. Now, I'm not saying, listen, you need to go home and sell everything and then bring everything so we all find. There was different times. There was different times. But they were so focused on each other's needs because they loved each other so much. Now this group of baptized, on-fire believers who joined together with a commitment to help each other to find and to fill God's purposes for their lives. You need to hear that. That was the crux of it. Most believers don't know and realize this is one of the main purposes of church family. What, what is it, Henny? It is easy. It's to find your purpose for your life. That's what church family is there for, to find your purpose. What is your purpose? Have you ever, that's probably one of the most asked questions in the body of Christ. What is my purpose, Lord? What am I called to do? Where will I find it? In family, in community. If my daughters grew up, all of you have children, they didn't, you as a parent need to guide them into their purpose in life. But they find it in family. They won't find it out of family. So what is that purpose in life? That's the question. Isn't it? And that's a good question, isn't it? What is my purpose in life? No matter how old or young you are, you always are looking for that true purpose. Lord, I've done this. There's a, there's a next level. There's a new season. There's more purpose in my life. Now, being part of a church family or community has benefits. Did you know that? It has benefits. It gives you, it helps you to find your purpose in life. Now, I want to look at five benefits today. Just five quick benefits this morning of being part of a church community and five benefits that will help you find your purpose inside of that community and inside of that church. And, 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 it, and I think that's what we all need to hear. Father, I'm here in a church. It's so amazing. I have all the people. It's a good sermon, good, good worship. But Lord, I still don't know my sermon. I don't know my purpose. Our church family is supposed to lead us, guide us, mature us, grow us into our purpose for, for life. Now, here we go. Number one, one benefit that church community gives. Church family or community help, helps us focus on God. Helps us focus on God. You see, sometimes my job, my money, my family, my this, they can't give me these benefits, but our church family does. It does help us focus on God. Now, our question is, this is my question, is it easy to lose our focus on God? <laughs> yes, 
It is. Is it easy to get distracted by details? By distractions in life, by difficulties, by dead ends, by delays, by stuff? Yes, we get distracted. We, get, we lose our focus. Now the Bible says in Matthew 6, 33, and we all know this scripture so well, so it says, first seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. It's a very well-known scripture. But he says, first seek his kingdom. He says, where's your focus first? Now, I'm not saying walk around like a spiritual zombie all over, and everything is spiritual first. No, no, you live your life. But there's a focus in your mind that says, Lord, how do I focus? Lord, I speak to God. Lord, how do I do this today? How do I do this? How do I plan this? Lord, give me wisdom on this. There's a focus that, that, that helps me. So we focus on God. That's what we do. And the bigger my God gets in my mind and my, in my, in my thoughts, guess what? The smaller my problems will become. And the bigger I see my problems in life, guess what? The smaller my God will become. It's actually true. That's why we need to fo- that's why we need our focus on God daily. That's why we have to do devotional. That's why we have to take the word, open it and read it and pray although no matter how long the prayer is, that's fine. God just want to connect with your heart so that he can penetrate your thoughts and your emotions and your focus on him. That's that that's all that's important. Some days I miss my devotional times. I'm not perfect. But if I drive to town or go and uh, take my kids to school, I pray in tongues, I I think about scriptures, I I pray while I'm busy just to get my focus back on God. And that's what spiritual family gives. Number two, a church family helps me face life's problems. I know this is a great area because a lot of people can help us through life's problems, but there's something special that a church family, a community can do in that tough moments in life. You see, it really helps a lot when, when we know that other people in, is in a fight with you. <laughs> You're not alone. I always say to, I was a sports psychologist for so many years and I'm still on, work with the sevens here and I, I, I'm just connected all over and, and when I worked with the Varsity Cup teams, I always said to the guys, guys, if I tell the captain today, dude, you on your own, you're going to run up, you're going to win the game for us, no, but you're going to go alone on the field. They laugh at me. Why? Because it's not fun to do things on your own, and it's impossible to win a fight on your own, especially in that kind of game. No, life is the same. We need others around us. We can't do this alone. It, just, it is just tough. It's not fun doing things alone. Now, can I get very personal with you this morning? Have you ever been discouraged? Yes, we have. We do get discouraged in life. We do. <laughs> we do. More often than we think. Now, of course we do all. Why do we get discouraged? Why? Because life is tough. We face series of issues and problems and things in our lives that we can't get around. We have challenges in lives that we didn't steer clear from. It's like, Lord, where did this thing come from? Because life is full with it. But some... Some people think this thing in their minds that one day we will get together, everything will get together, all the troubles will be gone, the best will be, and we will all live happily ever after. I mean, it's, it's just going to happen soon. We're, we're in a place where there's no problems, no stress, no issues. No, no, it's just amazing. Yes, in heaven. <laughs> but I'm sorry to burst your bubble. As long as we are in this world, we're going to face stuff like that. 
We're going to have to go through things that's tough, that's, I don't know, why am I going through this stuff? Why do we have to face this stuff? It is part of this world. And to focus on those things is going to get you to a place where you're going to keep on being discouraged. But one positive thing of going through all these tough things in our lives, it builds spiritual character. It builds our godly character in life. When you sit with people and help pray with them and they help you through and they encourage you, your character grows. See, it's important to know that God didn't intend for us to go through stress and challenges all on our own. He didn't. It was not His plan. Not at all. But sin happened <laughs> and everything else. But then Jesus came and He gave life. You see, the life God intends for us is to live. For the, the life that God intends for us to live is not a solo act. It's not. It's an act that we do life together. We do life together. See, God never wanted us to go through anything by ourselves. Nothing. I can't think that God was, okay, you're going to be on your own. I'm going to put you there in a Kalahari desert and you're going to live there and, and do whatever you do. No, no, He doesn't do that. He loves for us gathering together. That's why Jesus prayed, Father, may these disciples, whom I love, be one. As me and you are one, may they experience that community where they can face life's problems together. Now, I'm not used to this new note, so <laughs> where am I? <laughs> now, God builds a support group of amazing people around us. A, a group that cares for us, that loves us, that, that, that wants to know how we're doing. Isn't it nice when your friend calls you and says, hey, buddy, I was just thinking about you. My friend, how are you doing today? I was just, we do it a lot, me and Salome. We are intentional with that, to pray for so many people. Well, our church is still small, so we can pray for each and every one of you, and we do a lot. But every time I pray for each and every one, I ask, like, Lord, how are they doing? Will you talk to me if, if it's not going well? And so many times I wake up with a face, and I, I've got something in my heart, and I, I immediately call. So I say, how are you doing? I've been thinking about you. I've been praying for you. I've been worrying about, not worrying about you, but I've been, you're on my heart. You see, that's what spiritual family makes make spiritual family special. It's a place of fellowship. That's what spiritual family is. Now, it is part of that true purpose for the church in our lives. That's the true purpose of, of, of spiritual family in our lives where we have people that helps us through tough challenges in life. See, we can, we can see in the first church in Acts how they sold everything. Now, I'm not saying we need to sell everything in life. I didn't say that we're living in a different culture, different era. I mean, they could do it that day, in, in that days. But they sold everything they had to make sure that everyone is cared for. Isn't that amazing? So I'm just going to sell everything, and together we're going to be fine. It's that Ubuntu thing that I spoke about last week. It's easy to care. So don't look at, oh, they sold everything. Oh, my goodness, I need to go. If I'm in this church or in any in the kingdom, I need to sell everything that I have. No, no. It's just a place where we care for each other, where we love each other. Sometimes a hug and a meal is amazing. That's what we need. Now, number three, a church family helps me strengthen my faith. Now, this is a very important one. See, we surround ourselves with people, and in a spiritual family, it will have an impact on us. Did you know that? Whoever you surround yourself with will have an impact on your life. Take 10 unsaved people, go and 
on vacation with them and then see how you come back, how your heart feels and how your mind goes and how the conversations goes. But who do you surround yourself with? I'm not saying it's wrong to surround yourself with sinners. Please do. Because we, we're never going to get them saved if we don't allow or don't shine our light in their lives without being too over-religious, just being who we are. But we need to surround ourselves with people. So if we surround ourselves, we are impacted by people we surround ourselves with. Why? Because it clarifies our values. You do. When I surround myself with men and women who are faithful, who trust God, it clarifies my values in life. I remember as a young man who I sat with five very mature guys and how they helped me clarify my values in life, how, what I look at, how I think, how I do life, how I make decisions, how I handle women. How I, I mean, I, I can go on and on. It gives, me, it gives me support in my life. It supports us. You have support in my life. I can make a phone call to to so many people and say, please, I need your prayer right now. I need your support. Can I come over and just have coffee and a hug? <laughs> because I know I've got some friends who would actually do that. It helps establish our priorities in life. Because sometimes I, I would, I mean, <laughs> I have so, so, much, so many um, examples because I lived this so much in my life. Because I just have this sense, we just got married, and I wanted to buy a big screen TV. <laughs> and I went to this friend, it's like, man, I'm so excited. I finally have enough money to buy a big screen TV. It's like, oh, good. How much do you have? Uh, I said, just enough. <laughs> they said, so you're going to take all your money and buy a stupid TV, and then you're going to get home, and what's your wife going to tell you? Uh, where's all our money? <laughs> so he helped me set priorities in my life in a godly way, but it happened through community. Yeah. It happened through, through, through um, spiritual family. He helped strengthen my life through that. It helps us between the rights and the wrongs. I mean, I can tell you more about that so much. And then it shows us what is really important in life. See, that is what spiritual family gives us. Now, there's a great saying that goes, if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. Do you know that? If you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. That means that if you are not discipled by someone, guess what? The world's going to disciple you. It's going to happen. You are, will be discipled. If it's not social media or Facebook, or it's going to be someone who's secure in the Word, who loves God, who can impart into your life. Why do you choose? Unfortunately, so many people choose Facebook or social media, which is not wrong, I say, to go on Facebook. But who, who disciples you? Who speaks into your life? Who, who helps you make decisions and priorities? And See, there's so much fake nonsense in the world today. A lot. Just take time and watch the world news. Watch social media. Just take a look. There's so much fake news and nonsense in the world. And if we don't make an effort to have and strengthen our faith, we will fall for anything. Life will offer. We will. Look at the scripture. It says, 1 Peter 1 verse 7. I love this. It says, these trials will show that your faith is genuine. Now, if you go and read the whole chapter of 1 Peter, it actually will give you some context. But listen to this. It says, it is, being tested, it is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. Though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. I love that. So when your faith remains strong your, uh, through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to this world. You see, we can have... The, as much money, as much whatever we are longing for in life, our faith is much more worth than any of those. Our faith. That's how our faith needs to be strengthened. 
And it happens in church family. It matures and it grows and it strengthens in spiritual family and in community. Now, number four, church family helps me find my place to make a difference. It helps me find my place to make a difference. Did you know that all of us were placed on earth with the desire to inspire others? We do. Maybe I was like, Henny, but I don't speak well. I don't care. You actually have a desire deep inside of you to inspire others. Why do I say that? Because when you hear a good joke, what do you want to do? You want to go and tell someone. Why? Because we want them to laugh with you. There's a need to inspire others. There's a need to inspire others. And, and we all have the need to succeed. We all have the need to succeed in life. See, we weren't just placed on earth to use up resources, to take up space, to breathe the air and then to die. No, no. It's not. God has a significant purpose for our lives. He has. And sometimes I need to tell myself that over and over and over for me to believe it. Because when I believe it, I can share it and help others to start believing that in their lives. See, God doesn't, doesn't just want us to be cons consumers all of our lives. He doesn't. He wants us to serve Him by serving others. Not just being a consumer, sit down and have this... People want to serve me today. No, no. He called us to serve others. And you can only serve others in a, in a very healthy community and church family. And it will spread out all through your life, through your workers, your business, wherever you go to. See, God wants us to leave a legacy, make a difference in life. That's His heart. I want to leave a legacy. I don't know about you. My first legacy I want to leave is in my daughters. I want to leave a legacy through their lives. And I want to leave a legacy for them. And you know what? The best way to know how to do this is in a safe place inside a community, <laughs> a church family, where we can make mistakes, feel love, grow more than we ever thought we could. That's what we do. That's where we grow, inside a place where we know I can make mistakes. I can actually make mistakes here and feel vulnerable enough to make that mistake, because out of that mistake, I will grow. I will learn. Now, when we get to stand before God one day, and this, is, this really gets to me, when I stand before God one day, yes, we'll all stand before the Father one day um, if God comes or if we die one day. We're going to stand before Him. And He will ask us one very important question. Number one is He will ask us the most important one of all. He said, Henny, what did you do with my son, Jesus Christ? And I hope our answer would be, Lord, I turned my sin, I, I turned from my sin and I accepted him. Maybe you will say, I accepted his grace and his forgiveness. I trusted him with my life. I hope that will be our answer. Because that's what we call to. But there's a second very important question that most people sometimes miss. Of course, the first one is very important. But the second one is this. It's not what denomination you are in or how many times you read your Bible. It's not that. No, no, it's going to be this. It's going to be, what did you do with what I gave you? What did you do with what I gave you? It's the parable of the talents all over. Jesus spoke about it. What did you do with what I gave you in your hand? Did you sit on it? Did you bury it under the ground? Or did you, did you work it? Did you do something with it? Did you have a passion in your life to leave a legacy to someone else, younger, older men around you? Did you leave something in their lives so that they can reach more than you could ever reach? See, 
How did you steward your life? How did you use your life to serve others? That will be the answer. That will be the question. And this thing haunts me all my life because I was like, Lord, how do I do this? How can I serve others? You see, it's King David. If you go to King David, King David had to serve his brothers. And as he served his brothers, being obedient to his father, as he served his brothers, he ran into Goliath. And the rest is history. As he served in a church family, in a family, it wasn't a church, but in a family, he, he got to the most defining moment in his life where he saw his purpose. And he walked into so much greater things in his life. Does it make sense? See, on the other side of serving, we find our true purpose. <laughs> it brings us to our last benefit. Now let's look at number five. I love this. Church family surrounds me with others that makes me better. It surrounds me with others. Now I've spoken about this in the first and the second sermon that whoever you surround yourself with will make you better than you are. See, God created us all so unique. If everyone were the same, it would be boring. And God is not a boring God. Come on. He is not a boring God. We need to value the gift God gives through every person around us. I love that. I love, I love people. And I love how to see people mature in their lives because I see what God has given everyone and how they are sometimes better than me, which is amazing because they've got some stuff that I can actually not do. See, it's within a community of believers that we really find our value and purpose in life. <clears throat> but we need to be intentional to surround ourselves with people. <laughs> if you're going to isolate yourself, you're going to miss this. Now, there's just certain things in life that I'm not good at. Let's just be honest. <laughs> but there's some things that I'm good at. I'm not going to go into that. But say, I, I'm really not good at administrative stuff. I, I can do administration. Hey, I can do it. But I'll... I'll <laughs> ooh, eh, eh. <laughs> you see, my wife, praise God, I've got a wife who is brilliant with those, those things. She is good with that. She's like, honey... Can you do this for me? But she makes me better. And I'm not insecure in that. I know she's better. I've got a friend who said his wife actually drives better than him. So he usually lets her drive. I was like, man, you are amazing. <laughs> That's the first time I've heard something like that. But he, he did, I mean, he's so secure in their relationship that he does that. You see, because of so many of us are insecure and in what we're not good at. And we try to be good at something we're not because there's insecurity in our lives. Although we're in a, in a community where we love people, where we can make mistakes, where we're available, vulnerable, sharing our lives, we just need to be secure enough to say, hey, listen, I'm not actually not good at this. But I need to grow with this and this and this. Will you help me? You see, the most profound truth we all need to hold on to is this. Just be yourself. Just be yourself. Just be yourself. Be secure in what God has given you. And then grow in the stuff that you want to grow in. See, God always prepares us for what's ahead. Come on, He prepares us for it. He knows what's ahead. He knows what's going to happen. He's busy preparing you. You see, our job is just embracing who God made us to be and growing that calling. So, Lord, I'm just embracing this thing. I don't know how I'm going to do this. When I planted this, when we, me and my wife planted this church, we had no idea. I was scared out of my skin. But God is doing it. We're not doing it. God is doing this. 
And we love how God builds a church organically, how people connect with each other and building a community around us and around each other. Now, I listened to a sermon about of, um, a sermon by Eric Johnson this week. I don't know if you know Eric Johnson, the son of Bill Johnson. He's leading the Old Bethel Church there. And, and he spoke about five kind of people in our lives. Now, I can't take credit for like this, but I really enjoyed this. And I thought, man, I need to share this this morning. Now, Eric said the following. He said there's five kinds of people we need in our lives. We need. And I thought, man, this is what we're talking about. Now, number one, he spoke. It's not up there. He spoke about we need truth tellers in our lives. We need truth tellers in our lives. That's someone that tells you the truth no matter what. Because they know they love you, you love them, but I'll tell you the truth. <laughs> we need truth tellers in our lives. Then number two, he said we need trustees in our lives. Now, this is people we can share with in complete safety. <laughs> in complete safety. You can share out of the depths of your heart with them, and there will no, be no guilt, no condemnation, no nothing. They will just listen and just love you. That you need that trustees in your life. Then the number three, third pe people we need in our lives through a community is we need teachers in our life. We need teachers. Now this is the people that is better at some things than you are. <laughs> better than some things than you are. They always thought being surrounded by such people, it's always tough being surrounded by such people because you wanna, we all want to be on top, isn't it? But it's so good to have them in our lives. They help you to find your calling and your purpose in life. And we need to surround ourselves with them because they're going to pull the best out of you. The best out of you. I always, if I get stuck with something, when I want to know something about cars, I call Niels. When I want to know something about this, I call the, I mean, I've got people in my life that I know that knows more uncertain things than I do. But I pull them together in, 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 in community, which is amazing. Number four, we need Timothys in our lives. But this is an important one because this is the people we are raising up in our lives. Who are you mentoring in your life? Now it starts with, starts with your children and sometimes moves on from your children to other people around you. Who are you mentoring with what you know? How you leave a legacy is how you in, give input to others around you. That's how we leave a legacy. And then the last one is we need a hype man. <laughs> We need a hype man. We all need someone to hype us up every now and then. We need someone who can come and, and encourage us when we feel down. Now, we all know about Muhammad Ali. Muhammad Ali, we all, one of the best boxers in the world ever. Um, probably some people will, will, uh, will give me a bit of grief on that, but I believe he's probably one of the best there has been. Nobody has ever really heard of a man called Drew Brown. But he was on the team of Muhammad Ali. See, Drew Brown was Muhammad Ali's hype man. And his only job was to hype Muhammad Ali up. That was his job, to hype him up. See, Muhammad Ali wouldn't be Muhammad Ali if it weren't for Drew Brown. His only job was to tell him, you're the greatest, champ. <laughs> you're the greatest. You see, so many... See, the man, the man so many people loved and admired went down into history as the greatest boxer ever because of a simple man that told him every day, you're the greatest. Isn't that amazing? He went down as the greatest because he had someone who told him, you're the greatest, 
Every day, every moment. I mean, he was in a corner. If you read some of the, the transcripts of Muhammad Ali and how he fought, Drew Brown was in a corner. And he had some signals he showed him. And he shouted, he shout, fly champ, fly. And then he said, rumble champ, rumble. And then he said, um, I can't even remember all of that. But he shouted from the, from the corner and from the side. And as he did that, he hyped him up as he was fighting. You see, we need people in community who can hype us up, who can encourage us, who can help us through the toughest of times and the joyous of times. And the, I mean, we need people who can encourage us in life. Muhammad Ali was only the greatest because he, told, he had someone who could tell him he was the greatest. See, we need these kinds of people in our lives to make us better. We are better together. We are better together. That's how God intended spiritual family to work from the start. Now, maybe you're sitting here today and you realize that, wow, Henny, I don't, I realize that I'm not plugged into community as I should be. I don't have these kind of people in my life. I, see, I, I can see that I lack in certain things that, that we've been speaking through this series about. Now, it's not too late. God is never in a hurry with us. Did you know that? He's never in a hurry with you. He's never. He, all, he is always ready to open when we're ready. He's ready, always ready to open when we're ready. And all we need to do is sometimes step up intentionally and say, Lord, I'm ready. Sometimes it's going to take all the security that I have. It's going to take all the intentionality that I have. But I'm going to invite someone for lunch. I'm going to invite someone for supper. I'm going to intentionally get with two guys and have coffee on a weekly basis because I need what they have. I need what they have. I'm going to be intentional of asking someone, please can you keep me accountable of how I'm getting in the Word, how I'm getting God to speak to me. Or maybe you want to hear God's voice and you have no clue. You know, someone in a community, in a church family knows. And go to him and say, I want you to teach me how to listen and hear God's voice. I can go on and on. Because this is what God has given us in a community where we can grow and mature and get to a point where we can leave a legacy. Amen. Will you stand with me and I'm going to pray with us. So Father, I pray this morning. I pray that you will come, Lord, and, and encounter us this morning, Lord, through, through so many things, Lord. And Lord, I pray that, that as we're praying right now, that your, that your Spirit ministers to us, Father and shows us what we need, who we need to connect with, how we can find strength in this community, and even in a wider community than this church, Father. Lord, I pray, Holy Spirit, you will show us faces in our lives that we need to connect with, that we need to pull in, that we need to be intentional with them to speak into our lives. Father, I thank you that you are in control. Thank you for listening to our weekly sermon. For more detail, visit www.klcstellenbosch.co.za.